Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Spark. We tell true stories. We tell them live. And we tell them all across the UK. Thanks for coming to Spark. Um, give us a cheer if you've been to Spark London before. Okay, give us a cheer if you have not. All right, they're, they're louder. They're louder. Good. Um, okay, so I'll explain because it's a night like no other. We're here. We're normal people across London telling stories. And tonight the theme is be a man slash that's not very ladylike. So it's all about gender, which I think is a wonderful theme. I'm very, very excited about that theme. And a record number of responses coming into that audience question. So thank you very much for that. When have you betrayed your gender? When I make my girlfriend be the big spoon. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> That's good. Uh, when do you feel like you have betrayed your gender? Um, while I'm aware colour should be genderless... For a work charity day, I recently wore all pink, including pink flowery headbands to my work meetings. I work in construction. (laughs) No work was achieved. (laughs) Betrayal's a weird word, betraying gender. I mean, we're going to celebrate gender betrayal tonight. I think that's what we're going to do with our stories. We're going to talk about times when we've kind of, we've broken through those boundaries, those gender norm boundaries in this, what I'm going to call, christen this night, a gender bender. That's what I'm going to call it. We are going to bring on our first storyteller of the evening. Um, He has spoken our Hackney night before. He is wonderful. Please give a warm welcome to the wonderful Nathan, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, So this is a story about me and my friend Sam. So back when we were children, Sam would have been considered my best friend. I now consider him a a friend among all of my friends. I think I don't really have best friends in the way I did when I was a kid. Um, But then in our friendship, there was a very clear leader, and that was Sam. Uh, He was Bart, and I was Millhouse in that (laughs) friendship. Uh, And nowadays, I think my friendships don't really have that. I think I've grown out of that. Um, And I can trace the, the start of 
that growing process where I started to like assert myself in my friendships to uh, a day when we were both, I think, about nine years old and we both ate goat poo. So here's how that happened. <laughs> uh, it was lunchtime at my school. It was lunch break. Me and Sam were going out into the playground, end of class, just to play do our thing we had a thing that we both really liked the Beanos so uh, he would be Dennis the Menace and I would be Nasher which is Dennis's dog so <laughs> the, that was the dynamic um, and, uh, and we were going out to do our thing and up comes my other friend Nick who's here tonight and he told us about his new club would we like to join his new club tell me about your club Nick it's called Gross Club let me tell you the rules of Gross Club there's one rule of Gross Club to get into Gross Club, you have to do something gross. <laughs> it can be kind of anything you want, but just it has to be sort of disgusting. Uh, so, I don't know, you eat some bogeys or, or whatever. I mean, kids have more of an imagination for this stuff, so I've, I've lost my ability to conceive of these things. But you just have to do something gross, and then you get in. There aren't really any benefits to being in Gross Club. You're just either in or you're not. It's not like you get a discount or there's a password. It's, it's more about the act of... Getting into, getting into the club. So he told us this and was like, would you like to join? And we said, no, that's, that's a really stupid idea. Uh, we're going to go and do our own much more logical thing of me pretending to be Sam's dog. Uh, see you later, Nick. So we went off to the other end of the playground and, and played around. And then the lunch break wore on and we started to notice that something strange had happened. Because... Gross Club was quite popular. I mean, we would look around the playground and see Nick would be there, and there would be a sort of queue of, of kids, you know, like wiping bogeys on each other's heads or filling their ears with mud or whatever, like doing something, and Nick would be like, you're in. And they'd be like, yes! So this was happening, and uh, we started to get this awful feeling that maybe... Gross Club was actually quite cool, <laughs> which was disturbing. So it got to the end of break, very near the end of break, and we went up to him. We caved, and we were like, Nick, I say we, it was Sam was speaking for both of us. Uh, he said, Nick, you've convinced us we want to be in Gross Club, okay? We'll, we'll join. Yeah, we'll be in your club. And he was like, well, you don't just get in you've got to do something so what are you going to do and we had a problem here because we were the last two people in the entire class to join everyone else was in so everyone else had done something so there was a kind of inflation of the level of just disgustingness expected you know most of the obvious things had all been done we, we kind of had to think of something and I, I didn't have any ideas but Sam had an idea and he just said well he go poo and there was a little pause he said we I don't know I hadn't consented to this at this point but he said it and I was like okay and Nick stared at us both and I was like what? he was like yeah we'll eat go poo won't we Nathan? I was like yeah okay <laughs> and, and Nick was like okay show me so we went to where the goat was. We went to like a private school for hippies. So there's a goat. It's, it's an important part of your education. 
if, uh, if your parents are socialists with enough money to send their kids to private school. Um, so, so we went to where the goat was, and word had spread. So there's a little crowd of people coming to, to watch this thing. So we're there. Daisy the goat is there. A little pile of her poo is there. Everyone I know is there. And uh, there's a weight of expectation. Um, so we reach down, and we each pick up a, a pellet, essentially. I don't know if you all know anything about Gopu. It's sort of like, it's actually quite neat. It's like little balls. It comes out in little balls, sort of like the size of a, a pea. So just sort of imagine like a brown plate of peas <laughs> that are brown and made of shit <laughs> that came out of a goat's asshole, And that's basically what it was. So I have my doubts, but... Sam has spoken, and Sam's like a... He's a really cool guy, and he definitely knows. So I'm like, I'm going to trust you, Sam. And I do it, and I put it in my mouth. And it is disgusting, <laughs> unsurprisingly. I don't know, I thought maybe that this whole, like, don't eat goat shit thing was like a taboo that, <laughs> that could just be broken, and it was just some kind of social convention. It's not... It's, it's terrible. It's a really definitely a thing that you should not do. And uh, it was probably the most disgusting thing I'd ever tasted. And I think just the shock of that experience and the uh, sudden kind of all the emotions from everyone looking at me, I, I've suddenly thought, and this was not a logical thing to thought, think, but it's what I thought. I thought, I'm never going to be able to swallow this. I have to break it down. So I bit into it. <laughs> and at that point there was what a restaurant critic would describe as a taste explosion. <laughs> and... And I spat it out all over the floor. I mean, it was fucking vile. And I'm sort of there, doubled over, sort of scooping saliva out of my mouth and trying to get rid of this fucking awful taste. Uh, and I, I look up, and there is my entire class at school and Nick in my imagination he's got like a, a, a clipboard, that's probably not accurate but that's how I picture it um, and they're all just looking at me like fuck and Sam is there and he's white, he's totally white and he's kind of standing quite upright and trying to stay quite Man, manly, I suppose. Uh, I've given up on that. Uh, and I think, I think I realized then, like, he must have actually, like, swallowed his thing. So, <laughs> which makes me feel quite ashamed. <laughs> um, everyone's staring at me. And there's this, this awful silence. And then the bell rings for the end of break. And everyone starts to just file away, like, they don't know, there's nothing to be said. Words of, Words are useless here. And I kind of, and I, I grab Nick as he's, as he's going, and I kind of look at him quite desperately, and I'm like, Nick, did we do it? Are we in? Are we in? Gross club. And he looks at me with this kind of like Vietnam veteran stare, like he's seen things that could never be 
that he'll never unsee. And he just looks at me and he says, Gross Club is over. <laughs> we're, we're never going to play this game again. <laughs> anyway, I suppose that's a story about standing up to be a man and realizing that it was a terrible mistake. <laughs> Nathan, thank you very much, Nathan. Nathan, what happened if you got into Gross Club afterwards? Nick, what happened? Um, you to, get... be honest, to be honest, the experience left much less of an impression on me. Than <laughs> <laughs> so I can't really... It was sort of all about the initiation, sort of, if you do the gross thing. Or maybe you get to become Prime Minister, if you... <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, so um, we've got some more contributions from you. Thank you so much for bringing these, right? So, in keeping with the theme, when have you felt like you betrayed your gender? Only swiping right to hot guys on Tinder, but being enraged when men judge women on their looks. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. It is a good point, and there's this other one. So, when have you felt that you had betrayed your gender? When you find out a creepy person at work has been staring inappropriately at your female colleagues, but not you. <laughs> and you wonder, why am I not being objectified? <laughs> and <I'm, laughs> it goes on, and am I too unattractive for the creep? <laughs> Even though I think the man is a creep and would be disgusted if I were objectified. <laughs> We can't help what, what we feel. We have one more storyteller in this section, then we're going to go to the bar, get a drink, talk to each other. Um, lovely, regular storyteller at our open mics in Hackney and in Brixton. Please give a lovely, warm welcome, start the clapping for Lizanne, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> When I was just a little girl, I had two ambitions. One was to be a dancer on top of the pops, which I guess dates me quite a bit. Oh, yeah, and Pan's people, by the way, not Legs and Co. Anyway, my mum talked me out of that. She said, you're too big and clumsy. I mean, at the age of 10, I was almost this size. So uh, I guess she had a point. Um, but my other ambition was to be a truck driver. Bit of a difference. Um, and that one, I almost, I've almost achieved that. Because uh, uh, for many years, I've been white fan woman. And um, yes, I've had a checkered career uh, of working in factories, packing various meat products, building cars, uh, working for an agency, driving cars. And let me tell you, it's a lot more fun driving them than it is building them, if you're prepared to take a massive pay cut. And uh, then I fell into, as I fall into things by accident, which is kind of a bit of a bad thing for a professional driver to do anything by accident. But, um, yeah, I became full-time white van woman. And uh, my fella said to me, you don't see many women van drivers. And I said, well, 
you see lots of women bus drivers, lots of women bus drivers now, fair few women lorry drivers, and even quite a few women train drivers. And our fellow says, they're all lesbians. He should know, he works with them. He drives a train, I drive a van, we meet at level crossings. Level crossings don't run the risk. Um, And no, no, I've seen loads of women van drivers. He said, I've been watching. He said, I've been watching and I only see about two in a day. And generally that two in a day is the same one delivering somewhere else. Um, So anyway, a couple of years ago, I had the dubious honour of uh, being the only woman van driver for a corporate catering trade in London. I couldn't quite believe it either. Um, I think, why should this be? Why should there be so few women van drivers? I mean, you could just imagine it in the men's club, can't you? Oh, we found this job. It's low paid, the hours are long, and it's exhausting. Best keep that to ourselves, lads. And, uh, and my governor, bless it, I'll turn up with this, this company, Katrina Catering. I'd been, uh, I was pleased to get it because I'd been unemployed for four months. Never been unemployed in my life before. And I'd been off sick for a long time from then. So I was a bit, uh, bit concerned on my trial shift that I wouldn't be able to keep up, like with all these young lads. You know, I'm a woman in my, let's say, the latter end of my early 40s, okay? <laughs> and uh, don't let the youthful good looks fool you, people. And I think, how can I keep up? They're all in their 20s. I mean, even the governor... Even the governor, I mean, he's so young, he doesn't go on meetings with the other managers, he goes on play dates. <laughs> How am I going to keep up with these people? Oh, but I did. I, 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 I held my own. You know, at the end of that trial shift, I was so pleased with myself. I was wearing steel toe cap, heavy steel toe cap boots. I walked two miles home along the canal. I felt like I was walking on air, what I felt I'd achieved that day. And... Um, my, my governor said, oh, no, no, there's no other women driving. In two years, I never saw one. I said, I'll leave off, D. And we got to know all the other corporate catering van drivers. You know, we used to wave to each other. You know, we weren't letting down each other's tyres or shit like that. It wasn't that cutthroat. Uh, so, oh, hello, Sands. Hello, Il Cappuccino. Hello, Cucina. You know, we get to, I never saw one. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's hard going, you, you corporate catering van driving, because you're lifting all these heavy crates and China, big heavy china plates and event equipment and all sorts but you know if I found it a bit hard going I had little ways round it like we'd be loading my van with uh, the afternoon deliveries the lunchtime deliveries and you know a big stack of crates and plates I would load one at a time and I'd be checking the plates off as I went you know I couldn't like the young lads four and five crates at a time that's just stupidness so uh, so I just check all the plates off so by the time I got to the customers I've got all ready to go sign the sign the paperwork for the plates and off I'd go which uh, which was a lot better because the customers like to dither they like to do they go oh what's this you're trying to count the plates out and all the bits of equipment you delivered off to them and they go oh what's this and what's that and you get you, you have to keep going back to the beginning again so I'd done, done myself a turn there so it was good and I never felt out of place never once did I feel out of place any different even though I'm a woman I'm the only woman there and I'm nearly twice the age of all these other people really good team we got along well made my best friend there I uh, got to say that because he's in the audience and um and, uh, yeah, it was like a little family, a nice little team. And I really missed those days. The company got bought out. Otherwise, I'd still be working there, to, to be honest with you. And uh, one, of, uh, one of my fellow's workmates 
one of his train driving colleagues. He had some kittens for sale, well, not for sale, to give to good homes. And um, so I was talking about this to the lads at work, and one of the lads, Babble, we used to call him Babs for short, um, he said, oh, I want, want this kitten for my girlfriend. That's so I, I arranged it, and it was all a bit cloak and dagger because these two guys had never met each other, sort of arrange it uh, sort of 700 hours at, at Mile End Station for kitten handover. And um, anyway, so yeah, he'll be turning up in a white BMW, and yet he looks like this. So they give each other your phone numbers and whatever. So they fell to talking. Um, when they met up, and uh, so Bab said to uh, said to my fellow's workmate, he said, "How long have you known Lizanne?" Then he goes, "I've never met her." Oh, but I do know Richard. He said, "I do know Richard." He said, "I've never heard him talk about a woman before." We all used to think he was gay. <laughs> so Babs turned around and said to him, "That's all right. We all thought she was a lesbian." <laughs> well, I used to get called Sir a lot. Um, I had shorter hair at the time, and of course, my work uniform, big baggy polo shirt, combat trousers, steel toe cap boots, and I'm driving a van. Um, and, uh, so, uh, are you Russell or Anthony? I got asked repeatedly when I was about that far away from the bloke, you know. A week on Saturday, I have got my HGV hazard perception test, and uh, the week after that, I've got my theory. So, uh, wish me luck. <laughs> Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. We only have one more storyteller, book storyteller for you now, but I'm just going to bring in some of your contributions now. Um, So... Get ready for this. Uh, When have you felt that you have betrayed your gender? I am always meant to feel that I betray my gender whenever I talk about my feelings. 
When I had mental health issues, I felt that just by talking, it was as if I was being weak or soft. Note, I no longer feel this way. Round of applause for that one. And uh, finally, when have you felt that you have betrayed your gender? When I fart in public. Uh, thank you. Thank you for that contribution. And sometimes I, I feel the same way. Sometimes I feel like I'm not just betraying my gender, but the smell is so bad I feel I might be betraying humanity itself. Uh, so I relate to that. Thank you very much for that anonymous contribution. Are you ready for your next storyteller, ladies and gentlemen? Yes, please. Keep up the lovely, warm atmosphere that you've already put onto the stage tonight. Thank you very much for that. For the wonderful storyteller, Vanessa, ladies and gentlemen. What is it with black women and wigs? This was actually a question that my boyfriend put to me a few months ago on the way back from lunch in, in Hackney somewhere. I don't know what prompted the question. I can only assume that another woman, probably a black woman, I'm guessing, wearing what he guessed was a wig, walked past him and he was thinking, uh, what, what's up with that, really? What's, what's going on? I'll just give a bit of context to the situation. So my boyfriend is um, a white guy, white English guy from a little village in Essex. Um, and I'm a mixed race girl born and bred in London. Uh, so I think it's fair to say of the two of us, I was probably you know, more qualified to answer the question. <laughs> but I, I actually didn't know, I just shrugged her. No idea. Never worn a wig. But I, I found it an interesting question, and um, it got me thinking about hair. I would say for both men and women, hair is an important thing. But for women, it's really tied up, uh, well, for many women, it's really tied up with their beauty and feeling feminine. Uh, but, you know, with a lot of these things, you have, uh, you know, popular images in, in culture, in magazines, and in uh, adverts, on television, of what that should look like, like what that kind of femininity is. So, you know, take your average Pantene advert. Uh, the hair in those adverts is long and thick and full, and, you know, nine times out of ten, it's straight. And, and that was a bit tricky for me growing up um, as a kid, looking at these images and thinking, you know, how am I going to attain that you know, level of beauty when I have this big, crazy, untamable afro? It's kind of the opposite of a Pantene advert. Um, at this point, I'll just point out the hair that I've got going on tonight is not the kind of afro that I'm referring to having when I was a child. Um, this, is, this is my hair. Um, it's, it's, it's not a wig. That wasn't the finale of this story. It's, it's actually my hair. Um, but it's, it's not in its completely natural state, but I'll come back to that point. Um, so, yeah, as a kid, like, big, crazy, like, proper Diana Ross, uh, Jackson 5, whatever, you know, afro you can think of. Um, I have these memories of being uh, a kid, like, 10 years old. You know, you go swimming. That was something you did at the weekend. And for some unknown reason, my mum insisted that I wore a swimming cap. Um, I, I never questioned it. I don't know why. It just made me more streamlined or something. I don't know through the water. But point being is it's really tricky to get a little swimming cap onto a big afro. 
And so I have these memories of standing at the side of the pool with, um, I don't know, like three or four friends trying to help me, like they were at each corner, genuinely like stuffing my afro into this cap. And yeah, that wasn't fun. It was quite traumatic and really didn't help me with feeling like a pretty girl. Um, so at the age of 14, I made the decision to start relaxing my hair. Um, so for anyone in the audience who's not aware, um, that's putting pretty strong, damaging, harsh chemicals onto your hair, and it will change the, the texture, the, the, yeah, whatever, um, of your hair, and will permanently straighten it. Can't go back, won't turn back to an afro. It's kind of like bleaching your hair, you know, you've got to grow it out. Um, and then, you know, every few weeks, you've got to redo the roots, and yeah, that's the whole relaxing process. And that's what I decided to do when I was 14. And my mum actually did it for me the first time. And I was really excited. You know, yay, I'm going to like look like a pretty girl. I'm going to fit in with everyone. But I also remember being a bit sad. Um, I remember crying. I don't know. I don't know. Looking back, I mean, just point out, I wasn't like bawling my eyes out. It was just like a few tears. But looking back, I think it was that I... I was sad that I was losing a part of me. You know, I'd grown up with this hair for 14 years. And I was, you know, I was changing. I was losing that. But, you know, that's what I did. And that's actually what I did for the next 15 years. I decided to continue relaxing my hair. Um, relaxing is an interesting word um, when I think about it because it's really anything but relaxing. It's um, anyone who's done it. It's, it's quite an uncomfortable, almost bordering, painful process that you go through. And it's quite tiring going to the hairdressers every few weeks and it costs a lot of money and etc. cetera. Um, but, you know, it made me happy. It made me feel like I fit in and I'm, you know, now I was very feminine and pretty and you know fitting in and looking pretty is quite important when you're 14 years old or when you're a teenager so um so that's what I did and I was happy but I you know there was always a part of me that was slightly um dissatisfied so as I, I mentioned earlier I'm mixed race um so my mom is of uh Indian descent and my dad was born in Barbados that's so quite a cool mix um I think um <laughs> But, um, okay, so if you think of mixed-race women, like the images that you control... In fact, I actually put into Google Images, genuinely, just to check this was true, um, mixed-race woman into Google Images. And what you get, typically, is a picture of a woman with, like, caramel-coloured skin and straight nose, full lips, and big, bouncy, fun, playful, sexy curls. And this isn't what I had looking in the mirror. And just to make the point that my ethnicity doesn't, you know disallowed this um both my brother and my sister have these fun sexy bouncy curls and I had this difficult sticking out in the air afro and so yeah kind of felt a bit robbed in the hair department but you know I went for the straight hair I knew I couldn't do this forever it was really damaging I was losing any length it was really um it was breaking and thinning and all the rest of it but I didn't really know what I was going to do you know this is you know coming into my my late teens and into my 20s I didn't really feel like I had any other options of what I could do to look pretty and feminine um you know afro wasn't really the option so fast forwarding to, to now, right now, and I actually looked into my diary uh, last night, and I'm coming up to my one year hair anniversary. Uh, <laughs> that means I, I basically haven't put any relaxed, any chemicals on my hair for a whole year. So how did I get to this point, given that I've been doing this for so long? Um, I would love to say that I had this big epiphany moment. I woke up one day and thought, I'm a strong, independent, intelligent woman who doesn't need society to tell me what I need to look like. 
how to be feminine, um, you know, do what I want, I'm live my life my way. That's not actually what happened. Um, I just text messaged, text messaged my hairdresser um, who worked from home. I was like, hey, yeah, can you do my hair? I've uh, got a day, got to look nice. And she was like, oh, actually, I'm in Spain for the next month. I was like, oh, shit. Uh, she was the only one I trusted with my hair. So I was kind of forced to grow it out for a while um, and, and kind of let it get bigger. And... Uh, a funny thing happened. Um, my life didn't fall apart. Uh, it was it was fine. Um, you know, people didn't point at me in the streets. I didn't lose my friends. They didn't reject me. I didn't lose my job. Um, it was it was actually fine. If anything, I actually got some compliments. And I realised, yeah, it's it's fine. I, I still look okay. I'm still a woman, and I still look you know, reasonably attractive. Um, this is okay. And um, yeah, that's kind of like where I got to. And you know, now I've realized, you know, I'm 29 years old and I've realized that, you know, hair is still an important thing to me. It is still a big part of, you know, being pretty, my beauty, my femininity. But I have realized that it doesn't have to be a certain way. It doesn't have to be that pantene advert. Um, femininity comes in various different forms. And the next step, um, telling you guys now, so I'm going to have to do it, uh, is that at the end of the year, I'm actually going to cut my hair off. Um, so I've got a few inches of afro, and then the rest is all damaged. I'm going to cut it off and just properly start afresh. And that's, um, that's a big thing for me, because I've never had my hair short. And everyone says, oh, you're so brave. Like, that's a big thing. And yeah, actually, I'm fucking brave like I'm not like I'm excited but I'm not I'm definitely going to cry and look to all of my friends and family for reassurance that I don't look like a boy um but it's okay because I'm gonna do it and I'm still a woman and it's fine um and yeah you know I've I've got options I can dye my hair if I want to like various colors I can braid in some extensions do that look um a weave I've never done a weave for like I should black woman with a weave um or, um, or I could, yeah, here's an option, wear some wigs and uh, then be another one of those uh, black women walking down the street who my boyfriend looks at and thinks, why are all these black women wearing wigs? Vanessa, ladies and gentlemen just give it up for all the storytellers we've heard tonight. We heard from Nathan, <laughs> Vanessa, and Lizanne. Thank you so much for coming. As I said, you can check on our website for all of the other events. Do keep in touch. I think this is a lovely thing that we all come together. There is nothing in London like this. Like us on Facebook. Uh, if you want to follow us, we're going to go to a pub. Uh, <laughs> I've been Charlie Harrison. Thank you very much. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.